We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back Inside the Clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score with Bruce Levine. I am David Haw. Until 11 o'clock, we've had a lot of fun the first hour talking baseball, Cubs and Sox coming off losses on Friday night. We talked to Ned Coletti, the former Dodger executive, Bruce, and we have a fun hour still ahead because there's a lot going on. The White Sox back in action today against the Mariners and the Cubs later tonight. Nationally televised game uh, against the Dodgers um, out in L.A. And, and it's time now to go out to the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas Hotline, the home of the world's largest sports book, and we are pleased to welcome in White Sox rookie left fielder slash designated hitter slash first baseman slash do everything, Andrew Vaughn. Andrew, welcome to the score. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. Congratulations on on what has been a, a very uh, good start to your first full season as a major leaguer. I don't imagine that when you plotted this out in your head, you thought that you would be a rookie outfielder in the majors, but how would you summarize all this happened to you in the past several months and how you've been able to handle it? Yeah, you know, uh, spring training, we had some unfortunate injuries with Angle going down and Eloy going down. And then during the season, we've had a few guys go down and our biggest thing has got to be uh, next man up. And we've had a lot of guys doing that this year and, just got to step up and do anything you can to help this team win ball games. Andrew, uh, as far as uh, jumping in on a really good team and uh, knowing that responsibility, is there is there any more pressure on you and some of the other uh, younger guys or, or guys just stepping in because of the high expectations and, and the, the reality that this team is built to win? Yeah, you know, I mean – we got to go out there and just do our jobs, no matter what it is, uh, no matter how old you are. If you're a, a one-year rookie or a 10-year vet, we're all out there with the same goal in mind. And like you said, that's to win and get as far as we can in the postseason this year. But you just got to take it one day at a time. Postseason's not here yet, and you got to keep racking up wins to get there. And then that's when the fun starts. All right, Andrew, so take us back to spring training. You've got 55 games of minor league experience. Aloy Jimenez goes down. And the White Sox had maybe targeted you to be a contributor, but as maybe a designated hitter, maybe a bat in the lineup, I don't think that it was left field. How 
how much anxiety did that create learning a job on the fly knowing what this team you know, their expectations were heading into this season and how hard was it to learn a, a, a you know a new position as a major leaguer you know i actually i was fortunate last year at the alternate site to get a few reps in the outfield and get a little bit more comfortable with it and then in spring training it was kind of a, a last minute thing i think there was maybe a week left and just i went out there with debo and did my work that was the biggest thing just do your work do it diligently and be the best you can be try to do your job and just catch everything you can and know your strengths know your weaknesses out there andrew you know uh, you, you say that but every ballpark you go to is it almost like starting all over again especially in left field when you when you go to boston and there's the green monster standing there it looks like two feet away from home plate you go to uh houston and you have uh the short wall and the uh the, the quirkiness of that outfield and the railroad tracks, is it, is it like going to a new amusement park every time you, you go out there to uh, one of these ballparks? Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, every ballpark is different in its own way, and you have to go out that first day you get there usually and just check out the field, see what it's going to do if a ball hits a certain spot. Like in Houston, it was crazy that that scoreboard and left on the fence it's got a bunch of iron bars and plates and stuff. And if a ball hits it, it can go anywhere. And you just got to be ready and just, you got to get the ball. If it uh, hits that, you got to find where it's going to go. You know, Andrew, when you look at the, what you've done at the play, obviously we're talking with Andrew Vaughn from the White Sox, a left fielder who's off to a, a good start in his rookie season here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Take us back to New York. Take us back to May, and you're facing Aroldis Chapman. And obviously, you're up. It's a tie game, and you end up taking him deep. And and to me, of all the things that have happened to you in the past several months in this season, that's the one that stands out because that I think was was a, a difficult as you're going to get in terms of a challenge at the plate, and you took advantage of that, and that showed number one what potential you have, but also. How much did that build your confidence, knowing the, the situation and knowing how you handled it? You know, I mean, for me, the biggest thing is just just calm everything down. Try to make the situation just you versus the pitcher. Don't really matter who's out there because everybody in this league can, can throw it. Um, so just went out there. I was ready to be early on the pitch and put a good swing on it and ended up tying the game. Unfortunately, we lost that game, but... You know, it's definitely it was a cool feeling being in Yankee Stadium. Uh, my grandpa, growing up, was a, a huge Yankees fan. I think that was the first time he smiled seeing something happen to the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, when you uh, when you look at um, the um, everyday opportunity you have and uh, the work that you have to to put in, you know, uh, I almost forgot. I've been covering the game for uh, forever, but. Getting to the ballpark early now, I see you, know, you guys out there early with Debo and working on outfield stuff all the time and extra batting practice sometimes when uh, people need it. Uh, baseball is, you know, 12, 15 hours a day for people. How different is that to get used to the professional mode of baseball uh, coming from college and, you know, all your, your great years in high school and college uh, developing into a, a great player? Yeah, I mean, it's just getting into a routine, knowing what you have to do, and it is your job, but it's 
it's a little kid's game, which is uh, which is crazy. So uh, you got to love what you do, and getting that extra work in is important, and it helps benefit you and your team. So I think it's it's very important to get that stuff done, and it helps a lot. Andrew, it looks like you're having fun out there. It looks like as much pressure as you might feel to play a new position in, in the midst of a pennant race for a team that has World Series aspirations. It looks like you're finding the time to enjoy it. And I got a kick out of seeing you talking last week in Houston with Dusty Baker, who you know Dusty from playing at Cal, and you played with his son. How would you describe not just that relationship, but the amount of advice that you've gotten from people who have been through this before and, and telling you how to handle it? Yeah, you know, I mean, baseball is a small world, so getting to know people is is a great thing, and getting to hear people's stories, what they went through, and being able to apply it to your game and your career uh, is definitely beneficial, I think. Uh, Andrew, uh, the special relationship you and some of the other young hitters developed with Jim Tomey in spring training, can you walk us through that and those early morning uh, get-togethers with him? I know you have a uh, great rapport with the hitting coaches and the team here, but Tommy, um, you know, I've been fortunate to know Jim for, for, you know, over 20 years and just a very special guy. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship and how that's benefited you and, you know, the, the enjoyment you get out of that? Yeah. I mean, he's phenomenal. If you look back, he's had probably one of the best careers in major league baseball and, he just shows up to spring training and he's there to help us. He's there to give his time and and he cares. He really does and I think that's amazing of him. He's such a humble guy and he's out there trying to better us by situations that he went through in his career. And it benefited not just me but I think everybody that was around him. How would you describe your relationship with Tony Larusa and what it's like to play for a Hall of Fame manager? You know, it's pretty unbelievable. I mean, he is so intelligent about the baseball game. It's it's mind-boggling. Um, just watching some stuff he does and how he goes about it, you, you just sit there and you're like, wow, like how, how did he know that? And it's just he's been around the game for a good time, and, you know, it's really special to have him in our corner. Uh, as far as the clubhouse goes, who is the guy that you guys turn to for fun? Who who is the who is the entertainment uh, official for the Chicago White Sox? The guy that gets people going, laughing, goes from uh, section to section in the clubhouse and just uh, kind of lights it up in there. You know, I'd say if if you ever been out to a game and you look in the dugout before a game, you got to check out TA. I mean, he brings the energy every day and. I think we have a lot of guys that are like that, and we have a good atmosphere here, and it's uh, it's pretty special. You know, Andrew, I know you're probably focused on one at bat at a time, one game at a time, and all those things that have you maintain your focus. But have you taken a step back and wondered what this does for the course of your career? Are you an outfielder now? Are you going to be a first baseman moving forward? What do you think this does in the way of opening up other opportunities that might not have previously existed? Yeah, you know, this game is funny. You just, some things happen. You take advantage of opportunities, and then you just got to show up every day. One day you could be an outfielder. Next day you never know what's going to happen because, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So you just got to show up and uh, do your part, I think. Andrew, uh, the last one for me, and again, David and I really appreciate uh, you joining us and taking some time out today. Hopefully 
there will be uh, some baseball on the south side today. When you you look at um, the situation on a daily basis, you face 98 up and uh, 65 to 70 down in the zone. Has there has there been any moments where uh, you you've lost any confidence, or there's been a a couple of times where you go, oh yeah, this is Major League Baseball. Um, I'm not the only one that's going to struggle with pitches like this. But um, you know, having been so successful in college and being being highly touted coming in as the number one pick, uh, have some of those moments been there for you uh, that you can remember? I mean, this is, uh, I was actually talking about this about with my dad, and this is the big stage. These are the guys that are the best of the best on the mound and the best of the best in the box. So it's a battle every single time you get in there. Um, everybody here has, has made it up to the top, and you, you got to challenge yourself. I mean, the Hall of Famer hits gets three hits out of ten for their whole career, which is crazy. Baseball is a game of failure, but you got to go out there and challenge yourself to succeed and enjoy the ride. So, Andrew, as we heard you talk about your grandpa being a Yankees fan, when you grew up, well, who were you a fan of, and and how quickly did you have to uh, you kind of uh, get rid of those allegiances when the White Sox drafted you? Yeah, you know, I was just a baseball fan in general. Um, growing up in NorCal, we had the Giants and the A's there. Went to a lot of Giants games just because it was a 45-minute drive and it was a good atmosphere, and I just enjoyed sports as a kid, so, you know, soon as the White Sox called my name, I could tell you I became the biggest White Sox fan. So, Well, you keep up the good work because a lot of White Sox fans are grateful that you were able to make that transition and you have you know, shown them a reason to, uh, to believe that you're capable of doing a lot of things. And, and it's been a fun ride, and I'm sure it's going to get more challenging and more enjoyable and more satisfying. So thank you this morning for joining us. I hope they play today, and good luck to you the rest of the season. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good one, guys. Andrew Vaughn, Bruce, the rookie outfielder slash first baseman slash designated hitter for the White Sox. Uh, I don't think I don't think that you expected to have to be in a position to rely on Andrew Vaughn as much as the White Sox are in a position to have to, to rely on Andrew Vaughn. But thank goodness for them that he has been there for them because you look at all the injuries and he's he's played a pretty big role on this team. Well, the, the most surprising thing and the thing I think that really makes uh, Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and uh, Tony La Russa happy on a daily basis is that he was never overwhelmed by this challenge of playing left field. No, he's not going to remind anyone of Barry Bonds playing out there, but there have not been embarrassing moments out there. He's taken the challenge. He's worked extremely hard. Uh, there hasn't been a time where he's looked out of place out there. Sure, balls are going to get by him, but uh, they get by other outfielders. Uh, that has been impressive to me. That, to me, David, shows the depth of the uh, baseball athlete in uh, Andrew Vaughn, that you can take a challenge on like this of never playing a position hardly ever uh, and going out there doing a great job, putting the work in, and then going about your job and, and learning how to be a professional hitter in uh, the toughest uh, game in the world to be able to do, and that is hit in the big leagues. Uh, that is very impressive to me. So I, I see tremendous upside uh, in Andrew Vaughn for the future. He, he's kind of just filling a spot right now and contributing at times with big hits, but uh, I, I certainly see what they see about the makeup of this kid 
and the ability for him to be a star down the road. He's a plus defender, and I don't think anybody expected that. He's an above-average defender statistically, and he's made some nice plays out there. I, I don't think anybody expected that, number one. The other thing is, Bruce, is I think that you know his numbers don't reflect when you look at him hitting 226 and six home runs and 17 runs batted in. With, you know, he's on base percentages right at 300. These are numbers that are going to improve, but I think when you evaluate Andrew Vaughn, you've got to look a little deeper, and you've got to watch the approach at the plate, which has improved and is reflected in the bats like the one against Chapman, which stands out, but it also we have seen this guy willing to make the adjustments necessary as he continues to learn more about, you know, who he's facing. He's got 55 games of minor league experience. You You can't forget that. Yeah, and, and, you know, we see it uh, in a lot of places now. We saw it with Nico Horner, you know, with uh, just a, a few hundred at-bats in the minor leagues coming to the big leagues, helping the White Sox, the Cubs rather right away, and then uh, going through some tough times himself last year. Uh, it's it's not easy. We see the best players in baseball right now hitting 220 or less. You know, uh, it's, it's a tough sport. So uh, trying to get a real feel for what a guy like Vaughn is uh, right now, what a guy like Horner uh, is for the Cubs right now. Uh, these are, uh, you know, in, in past days, David, we could we could pretty much after um, a few hundred at-bats have a good idea about what a guy might be. These days, you know, with superstars struggling on a daily basis to keep their average above 200, uh, one doesn't really know uh, how you're, you're going to be able to uh, look at a, a player's ascension as a big leaguer and and be able to track it it's just too difficult of a a game right now to make those predictions and a couple of those superstars former mvps both of them jose abreu chris bryant struggling through the month of june bruce and you've got some research and you've got some connections to make between the two of them and the teams that they play for we will get into that next when we come back here on inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. David Haw with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock this morning. We just got done talking with 
Andrew Vaughn from the White Sox, Bruce. And you look at their last week, they have lost six out of seven games. They now have a two-game lead in the Central. The Cubs uh, have lost seven out of ten. And even though they're 12-11 and 11 in June, their production offensively has hit a snag and a little bit of a rut. You see some parallels between the two teams' offensive struggles and the the kind of months that uh, two of their biggest stars are enduring with Jose Abreu and Chris Bryant. Yeah, David. So let's look at at the White Sox first. The last ten games, as you pointed out, they're three and seven. Um, so Jose Abreu, the RBI king of Major League Baseball, and he's led uh, all of Major League Baseball in RBI since 2019 winning the RBI uh, titles in, uh, in t- 19 and 20, um, has really hit a rut here. You know, in June, he is hitting 173 with one homer and seven RBIs, okay? An OPS of 493 when it's collectively for the year 750. So you, you see where he was in the uh, upper 800s and 900 or more uh, in April and May. So that parallels... With the, the the point, David, that in June, uh, oh, I'm I'm sorry, since June 13, 14th, the White Sox are averaging 3.1 runs per game. So that's over that that, that 10 game stretch. Uh, that is the parallel that you're looking for right now uh, with the Chicago White Sox. On the other side of it, with the Cubs, it, it's the same story. They're four and seven in their last 11. They've averaged 3.4, I'm sorry, uh, 2.7 runs per game. Uh, Chris Bryant's hitting 132 with three homers and five RBIs in the month of June with an OPS of 513. He's hit a couple home runs lately, taking a few more walks, uh, maybe coming out of it. But a 513 OPS in June with a composite 888 shows you he's way over 1,000 in OPS for April and May. These are These are parallels that... Uh, you see how much reliance there is on Abreu and on Bryant offensively for these teams that uh, really don't supply much offense at all. And I think they have been accentuated with the White Sox because of the injuries and the reliance on Jose Abreu maybe seems more direct and and the, the burden and the load is heavier because of who they don't have. In the case of Bryant, I he had such a hot start. You did wonder when he would start to come back to earth. Maybe not with the thud that this represents, but Bruce, is it naive to think that okay, it's 162 games. These are two proven hitters and players, and they will snap out of this as Chris Bryant appears to maybe be doing this week. Or are these concerns that you think shouldn't be ignored and might be trending in the wrong direction? Well, you know, Tony Larusa talked uh, about uh, Abreu and uh, some of uh, his woes, and he, he actually, uh, you know, got into an area uh, a little bit about um, uncomfortable for Larusa because they're going to have a talk with um, w- with Abreu about maybe resting him DH a few days off. Let's listen to Tony Larusa okay. on Abreu's woes. He's so hard nosed about playing with. Whatever is sore, you know, he, there's a hurt and sore, you know. Uh, sure seems to me that he's got, you know, he's dealing with some pain issues that he wants to play through. So, you know, 
know we're going to talk to them about you know there's still three plus months to go and uh you know at some point you know is it better to you know just to back off a little bit if, if you can identify what's sore and what we can so I, it just seems to me that he's and a lot of guys are watching you know the atypical kind of stuff for him and pass i i Oh, and now he's got snakes, and uh, so we're going to talk to him, do the right thing by him, that's for sure. And uh, by that, Tony, um, maybe DHing him more often, even though he's one of the best first basemen in the game, and you need him out there, but you need uh, you need him, as you said, for the next three months as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, if he's able to... Uh, to DH, just having him in the lineup is if he's, if he's himself, you know, that's a, that would be a possibility. I mean, like the next two days, you know, yeah, he's going to catch, so I was going to you know, probably DH or mean, but if uh, if that would help him do it in a minute, move into the first base. <laughs> just uh, following up on that, uh, you know, he's. Well, I mean, he, just to make yeah. sure that I. Yeah. This is me. Just looking and and maybe and saying maybe you know because it, you can tell you know he's, his base you know when, when he swings it's not quite the same but we all know I mean I, you guys know it longer than I do now I know it you know he's uh, he's very tough about going out there and, and playing so he's dealt with stuff like this before so the, the key is you know how sore is he and. You can play through it like he always has. If this is something, be better to kind of back him off, whether it's DHing or give him a couple of days. That was Tony Larusa on Friday, Bruce. And first of all, I, before we get forward, can, I, I really think that the way that you talk to Larusa is is unique from other people that cover him. It seems as if you're you're kind of connecting the dots. You're kind of before you were asking him to share a private conversation, and there we heard you sort of like. Tell us what you, you think that he's thinking without him actually saying it, but Jose Abreu as a designated hitter. Is that what you're saying, Tony? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Right. So good good job getting that out of him. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, but, um, you know, Larusa, I think people will come to understand, is one of the most honest guys you'll ever talk to in sports. Sometimes you better be ready for the honesty because if he thinks, if he thinks like uh, early in the year – one of the reporters asked him about something, and he said, were you watching the game? Are you paying attention? Because he went back to talking about how uh, um, how Hoyer had pitched a uh, shutout inning and struck out the side the inning before and then had a, a wonky inning that cost them the game, and this was the post. So he's not afraid to get in your face, but um, he's, he's one of the more direct people. So... It, if if you are direct with Tony, I think he's be direct with you. Uh, I I don't think I get better answers than anyone else, but I'm certainly uh, going to ask him um, directly what I'm what I'm hoping uh, he'll answer. And I think, I think he's I been think, he's been great. I think you answer your own questions better than anybody else, Bruce. That's, that's <laughs> there's a skill to that. Look, here's the one thing as far as the Abreu discussion is concerned, and I want to know what you think about this. Would it shock you? If September first comes around, and you know that's the that's the month, you know you make your you you make your run in September, you define who you're going to be maybe in the postseason. Would it shock you 
if the White Sox's best lineup in September is Aloy Jimenez when he comes back playing left field, Andrew Vaughn playing first base, and Jose Abreu being your designated hitter? From what I've heard, uh, the inside information on this is that uh, they are going to apply to Major League Baseball for three DHs uh, during that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question, David. It really is. Uh, because uh, you can make a case for all of them being better suited at certain times for DH. Now, in the case of Abreu, he has been a fantastic defensive first baseman for the White Sox. And it showed especially early in the year when uh, Anderson and Madrigal were having throwing problems, and he saved them a ton of errors. So him being out there in good shape is really important for their defense. However, right now, at age 34, uh, 33-34, showing wear and tear after playing only 60 games last year, Okay. These guys are going to be, they're going to have to be DHs sometimes. And I give Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams a tremendous amount of credit for not, uh, not uh, filling that DH role that they were, that people were saying, hey, you have one more role to fill here and you got to get a DH. If they would have done that, they, they, they would have had a big problem here because they wouldn't have that rest position to turn to here. They wouldn't have had uh, that position for Mercedes to dominate in the first month of the season. Um, this is, uh, I think it's been handled extremely well by the White Sox, and it's fortunate that they have this role to go to now for some of their players like Abreu that may need a period of time to use it. All right, Bruce, so we talk about the wear and tear on certain players and playing the field and, and why Jose Abreu may need a day out here or there. Let's go to the Cubs. Let's pivot there. The Chris Bryant conversation. Do you see any connection between Chris Bryant's relative decline in the month of June where he has been not the same hitter he was in the first two months of the season with the fact that he has moved around more in the field than at any other time in his career? I'd have to say yes, even though he embraces it and never complains about it, enjoys being there for his team, knowing that he's good at all these positions. I think I think the wear and tear just playing the outfield uh, will take your legs away a little bit. Where uh, you know it was a much different dynamic for him uh, the first six years of his career, mostly ex- uh, exclusively playing third base. So I, I think you're onto something, David, very much. And uh, again, we're going to have to watch uh, a lot of these players' fatigue and uh, the injury possibility for a lot of players because they're they're now 10, 12. 15 games past what they played last year Uh, going toward the all-star break. uh, You know, we've seen all these soft tissue injuries all year long for major league baseball players. They're going to have to be uh, particularly careful with these players uh, moving forward here because of the unknown area of 162 games being played again. And you know what, Bruce, though, is saying that, and I think it's valid, and, and I worry about Chris Bryant maybe doing too much and, and, and we not, you know, maybe taking that for granted because it does, he does it so well. And yet I find myself, okay, so this weekend they've got to get one of the next two games against the Dodgers, and they've got Urias on the mound and Kershaw on the mound. They've got two lefties, and I want Chris Bryant to play the outfield to make room for Patrick Wisdom at third base so they have the best lineup that they can against two tough lefties. And I think that even mm-hmm. in wanting that, 
you know, you're like you're you're you're, you're pointing out the, the limitations that might create because you're moving him around. But for the Cubs to be as good as they possibly can be, you got to move them around. Yeah. You know, you bring up some really great points about the rest of the weekend, David, and uh, facing lefties and wanting to get wisdom in there because of the, the home run pop uh, in his bat. We know there's swing and miss, but, uh, you know, 10 home runs and uh, 75 at-bats is pretty impressive. So from that perspective, you know, you hope that he's coming out of it. Brian's shown signs over the last week of coming out of it because he's been taking yeah. walks. And when he doesn't expand his strike zone, uh, you know that he's he's feeling better about himself there. Attacking the baseball early in counts, uh, I think his walks are way down this year. And I think that's a good thing for Chris Bryant because that's been the mantra that David, uh, David um, uh, Ross gave him early in the year saying, be a little selfish about your bats. Attack early. Uh, you know, hunt that fastball early. And I think that has been a big part of uh, Brian's success uh, from the beginning of the year. Getting back to that, but then again, also uh, not swinging at pitches outside of the zone when the count gets a little deeper. That sounds hard, doesn't it? I mean, even it for does. the best players in the game. It, it does, and it is, Bruce. And I wonder if this is a fair observation and wonder if you saw the, see the same things. You know, in terms of handling the, the, the failure aspect and just, you know, dealing with being in a slump mentally, Chris Bryant seems to be less affected by struggling than maybe Jose Abreu does. Obviously, that again, we're not in the clubhouse, but you do talk to these guys. I wonder if you agree. Do you, do you see the strain wearing more on Abreu when he goes through a stretch like this than maybe a guy like Chris Bryant who does seem more happy-go-lucky? I would say a little bit. I mean, I talked to Bryant uh, last week because I didn't see him on the field. So when I did see uh, talk to him in a Zoom, I said, Chris, uh, you, you haven't been out on the field preparing. He says, well, uh, to be honest with you, I do most of my preparation inside, especially when I'm going through something. Uh, I work in the cage. I take uh, ground balls early. So I don't get distracted by trying to hit baseballs out and see how far they go in BP. I want to concentrate on my swing and my mechanics. Uh, I thought it was a tremendously uh, great answer that he gave as to why uh, he does some things that way. So uh, I think my answer to you on your question gets back to he has his method. Now, does Abreu have his method for figuring out how to slow it down and still be able to ramp it up on a daily basis but not expend that energy outside of uh, the game and and have that mental preparation where you feel physically more prepared to go yeah nobody's ever going to question jose abreu's mental toughness you know i just think that the fact that he has overcome all that he has and he is a guy that you can count on is this just a tough stretch and for a reigning mvp whether it's pressure whether it's wear and tear I do think this is going to be a blip, and it will be only a matter of time before he regains his stroke and starts you know, being the player that we're used to seeing him be for the White Sox. And, Bruce, we've got a final segment to go, and we're going to look at what's ahead maybe for those White Sox. As the trade deadline nears, we're, within, uh, we're getting it close to about a month to go. A lot of conversation already. Should he stay or should he go? We'll discuss that next here inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. As the MLB trade deadline approaches, both sides of town have some decisions to make. So, 
Who should stay and who should go? Should I stay or should I go now? With Bruce Levine and David Haw on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. David Haw, Bruce Levine for the final segment. Bruce, should I stay or should I go? The name that comes to mind, White Sox left-handed pitcher, Garrett Crochet. If I am an opposing general manager, if I am representing the Pirates or the Diamondbacks or whoever it may be, the Texas Rangers, engaged in a trade conversation with the White Sox. Garrett Crochet's name is among the first that I am asking about. So whether or not he should stay or go might be a different uh, conversation whether, whether or not he'll, he'll be wanted because he will be one of the most coveted players in this White Sox organization. Should he stay or should he go, Bruce? You know, it, it's – you know, a lot of people will say, well, you're not trading a number one pick who they think is going to be a dominant starting pitcher uh, in the future. But, David, uh, you asked the hard question. You asked the right question. Are you really going to bring in a middling guy or are you going to bring in a guy like Marte that you have uh, two, three, and four years of contract control of, a guy that can impact your team for a long period of time? Uh, you're not going to get that for something uh, that you don't want. Uh, it's always fun this time of year where we, we talk to the great Chicago uh, fans and, and they don't want to part with something really good to get something really good back. And that's, you know, that's the reason, like Ned Coletti talked about earlier, the Chicago White Sox white flag trade of 1997 and trading awesome pitchers like Wilson Alvarez, Danny Darwin, and... Uh, and Roberto Hernandez, it was like, you know, the world had come to an end for the White Sox fans. But then, two years later, you had Bob Howery and Keith Folk, uh, a part of a team that won a division in 2000, a big part of that bullpen. So that's how you look at these trades and this trading deadline right now coming up this next month. You cannot get something really good for some somebody some guys that you don't want that that valid. is the difference yeah i mean it's just that's valid and, and but, so when you bring when you but, bring up a name like that it's it's fair david uh okay. is it going to happen we don't know but i mean that's exactly what another gm is going to ask for it is fair because gms will ask for the moon that just is part of negotiation you should ask for as much as you want and and he would be the guy Besides Michael Kopech, who's off limits, I would think, that you would ask for next. But if you're the White Sox, I don't think that you can make that deal. So the answer to question to the, the answer to to the question directly, should he stay or should he go? I think he should stay. And you need to make a deal that doesn't involve one of your potentially foundational starting pitchers or pitchers in your bullpen. He just got drafted five minutes ago, Bruce. Garrett Crochet yeah. was not even a member of the White Sox, was he? Well, maybe a year ago. He's been for about a year, and and this is way too early to be talking about trading a guy, no matter what you get in return. I just think that, no, there's no untouchables, but Garrett Crochet would be as close to one as exists in the White Sox organization. Now, when you look at a guy like Crochet, and we're not saying it is Crochet, but a, a talent like him, and you've seen what he is about and what his makeup is at the major league level, you have a better idea about what the projection is much better today for the Chicago White Sox and Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams than they did 
the day they drafted him, uh, you know, just a, a little over a year ago. Um, you know, so from that perspective, um, things like that could happen. I mean, we have an example of the Chicago Cubs trading their number one pick only a couple of years after drafting John Garland to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, that was a, a disaster. That's a good memory, Bruce. That was uh, uh, Matt Karshner was the guy they got back out of the bullpen, <laughs> and he had he had been really good with the White Sox, crapped out totally with the Cubs, and, and then John Garland goes on to win 140 Major League Baseball games. So these are things, you know, when you're talking about trading a number one pick, you know, you're uh, you know you're a little squeamish because all of your scouting, all of your work went into saying, yeah, this is. This is the guy we want. If he's here, when we make this selection, that's the guy we're going after. But this segment is not contrived, or maybe a little contrived. But it's 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 all about the reality of trading this next month and Absolutely. what real talks are going to go on between general managers and general managers, not what we want and we want it now for nothing because those trades very rarely ever happen. And, Bruce, that's great institutional knowledge, pulling the Karsner example uh, out of your memory bank. But I think it also comes down to this when you're talking about Crochet or a guy like Crochet. Is he going to help you win a World Series by being a trade chip and, and getting that player? Because it'd have to be a significant one that's going to put you over the top this year. Or is he going to be a guy that you envision building around to win a World Series when he's at the point where he's either part of the rotation or plays a bigger role in your bullpen. And I think that's the kind of kind of conversation that, you know, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf, Tony LaRusso are having if they're posed with these scenarios by other general managers who would be right. out of their minds if they're not asking about Garrett Crochet. Yeah, David, but what is what is the uh the conversation been been like for the last year since uh LaRusso was hired? What has it been all about when? since they now. let yeah, win now, okay? If that is truly Jerry Reinsdorf, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, uh, you can trade a Marte for a crochet and maybe regret it in four years, but yeah. if you have two deep runs at a World Series out of it, maybe not. Yeah, you're right, Bruce. You just look, exposed look, Robert's me because I'm really back anytime here. soon. R- Robert and... Robert and Jimenez are pie in the sky. They might be back in August or September. We don't know what they're going to bring with them. You can't count on them okay. to bring a lot with them. So with that in mind, you just have to say, do we have enough offense with this team right now to win the World Series? I think we know what that answer is. I think you're right, but I still would hold on to a lefty that can hit 100 and might be there for the next decade. But you know what? The fun about this is it's an ongoing conversation. We'll probably have some of the same types of ideas next week. Yeah, and I haven't made one good or bad trade yet. (laughs) Well, you did have a lot of good ideas in the previous two hours, Bruce. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you to Ned Coletti. Thank you to Andrew Vaughn. Thank you to Adam Stavinsky. Thank you to everyone for listening. This has been a lot of fun inside the clubhouse, Bruce. Enjoyed it a lot, David. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. On our website, I write Cubs and Sox and 670thescore.com. Our good friends, Mr. Steve Rosenblum, Mr. Mark Grody, back after us 
to suck so you don't have to. And they do a great job of it, Dave. Yes, and I'll be back on Monday morning with Molly. Molly and Hodge, Monday morning, 5 to 9, here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Thanks for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.